Well, I hope you all had a, uh, a good Halloween. I know it was really, truly fun uh, to do kind of a second annual. I don't know if we're going to continue to do it, what's going to look like. Uh, but our trick-or-treat uh, parade around Tiffin and partnering with local businesses and organizations, and then, of course, just trick-or-treating afterwards as a family here in Tiffin. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so I hope that was well. If you can believe it, Thanksgiving and Christmas are right around the corner, so I'm really excited for that. But today, uh, I'm, I'm most excited for what we have in store. Um, we're celebrating a baptism today, and that's gonna be great. And then we're also kicking off our annual Be Rich uh, event. And Be Rich is this awesome opportunity that we have every year, that we take every year, to kind of put ourselves to the side, especially in a season of life where we tend to put ourselves front and center around Black Friday and and uh, the holidays, to put ourselves aside and to think about and help other people, to think about and help other people. In other words, our, our, the gist behind this is essentially to do good. In First Timothy, it says to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. And that's what we try to be. We uh, raise a, a lot of money and we give all that money away. Um, we try to take time to help those people in our world who are hurting, who uh, could use an, an extra hand, especially this time of year, uh, here locally and around the world. And we do this for a number of reasons, but I'm going to focus on one reason today. And that's what I'm going to spend the rest of our time with talking about. Um, and to introduce that one reason, I want to share with you uh, a story. And it's a story probably in a person that you have probably never heard of. Um, and this, this person um, is, uh, made, made actually a really influential decision. And that decision, in a lot of ways, you could argue, changed the United States of America, which I think is pretty incredible. So on, um, I believe it was August uh, 29th, or 28th rather, in 1963, Mahalia Jackson woke up. And this is a picture of Mahalia. And Mahalia woke up, and it was a big day. This day, she would go with 250,000 people to hear people speak and to march and to make their voices heard. And her friend, a close friend of hers, was actually speaking at this rally before all of these people. And so, of course, she was not going to miss it. In fact, she had a, a role to play in, in the, the, uh, the day's events as well. But anyways, um, so her friend, her close friend, got up and began giving uh, his speech. And it was an okay speech. About um, actually a little over halfway through the speech, uh, Mahalia decided during a kind of a pause in the speech to yell out some words. And this, these are the words that, that Mahalia said. She said, tell them about the dream, Martin. Tell them about the dream. And the onlookers that heard her say this kind of, you know, turned and looked at Martin Luther King Jr. and saw him process take his prepared notes in front of him, move them to the side, and spend the rest of his speech improvising with the famous words, I have a dream. In fact, the rest of Martin's speech, most of us don't know this, but it was actually an analogy about money, which I don't think could nearly have been as impactful as the idea of a dream. Because Mahalia decided this day to go and to make her voice heard, to make a statement on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial. 
And that speech has reverberated, as you and I know, through America for decades and decades since. It has led to equality and civil liberties and justice and has been studied and shown in classrooms year after year after year because Mahalia yelled out those words. Decisions, and you know this, decisions are powerful things, right? I mean, when you make a decision, it impacts the world, it impacts the people around you. I mean, I'm sure you could probably think back into your life through at least one or two decisions that really changed the trajectory of your life since. Whether it be a friendship or a romance or a career decision, it changed the opportunities before you. Had you have moved to this place or done this thing, you probably wouldn't have ended up where you are today for better or worse. Decisions are incredibly powerful things. Think about this, especially if you grew up Catholic, for any of you that grew up Catholic. You have, uh, somebody was really important in the Catholic church, and uh, God and Jesus, of course, but in the Catholic church, the first pope was Peter. How did Peter get to be the first pope? In fact, why is it that we even know Peter's name today? I mean, think about this. It's a, he's a common fisherman, probably illiterate. He was probably one of a thousand fishermen fishing around the lake of Galilee at the time. Yet he's the one we know about. He's the one we know about. Or his, his, uh, the other person with him, Andrew, that, that's a common name today. We name our children Andrew or Andy, right? Why is it so popular in culture today? Because of this moment right here. This moment when Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, and they were Simon, his, his other name was Peter, and Andrew, his brother. And they were in the process of putting their net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And at once, what did they do? They left their nets and followed him. Peter went on and Andrew went on to start churches, to lead Christianity after Jesus' death and resurrection. Peter's letters, First and Second Peter, have been read by billions of people over thousands of years. They've changed the world. They've changed our tradition. They've changed our mindset and our values because of this moment right here. Peter tradition says, was martyred in um, Nero's circus, which looks like this. It wasn't so much a circus as it was a, a place of killing um, and competition. And he, tradition says he was murdered um, or crucified upside down here. And eventually, this circus was torn down, and in, in its place, on the very same ground, this was built. And if you're not familiar, this is St. Peter's Basilica, named after Peter. Now, I'm not saying you should aim all of your decisions to have a basilica built after you, okay? Or have Michelangelo do some paintings in it, okay? But I'm saying your decisions matter. They make a difference, right? You never know the impact your decisions could have, do you? You'd like to predict. You try to think ahead if, if you try to be wise, right? But what made Peter's decision so different? What made Peter a common fisherman, one of thousands around the Sea of Galilee, to be something we know today? It's pretty clear. He followed Jesus. 
And so, and this is my perspective. And if you're hesitant about Christianity, maybe you're back in church for the first time in a long time, this could be a stretch for you. But at least from my perspective, there is a more powerful version of this right here. And the more powerful, powerful version of this is you never know the impact your decision to follow Jesus could have. Yes, following Jesus to make him like the Lord of your life, to have a relationship with him, to consider him your savior, to put your faith in him, but also your decision in your daily life to make lives to make decisions based on what it would mean to follow Jesus. When it comes to whether I should do this, what's right, what's wrong, you look back and you say, well, what is the right thing to do, do as a Jesus follower? And Peter answered that question and it changed no question, the trajectory of his life. And you can look at a lot of Jesus' closest followers, Paul being one of the biggest examples of this, gone from a, a, a Jewish zealot hating on Christianity to someone who literally, I mean, no historian really um, uh, uh, discounts this concept that, that Paul was one of the main reasons why Christianity spread so quickly throughout the Mediterranean Rim because Paul said yes to following Jesus, said yes to following Jesus. If you read any of Martin Luther King Jr.'s books, the reason why he would say his movement was so successful, read his books. The reason he was so successful was because he advocated for peace, but that peace came from Jesus, Jesus. And this is why we do Be Rich every year. This is why we take time to raise money, to buy gifts for uh, local school children here in the Clear Creek Amanda School District and Iowa City School District. It's why we serve others because we want to follow Jesus. And even if you don't follow Jesus, you can help us to be rich because we wanna help other people who need it most. We wanna help them eat, we wanna help them grow, we wanna help people get trained for the future and their livelihood ahead in the job market ahead. Um, and, and we wanna make an impact, not just for a moment in time, but for generations to come. And I think collectively, we can make the future generation's dreams come true. So Be Rich is simply this. Be Rich is um, something we do all November. And in it, we raise and pledge financially and we give 100% of everything away. And we don't try to do a lot of this ourselves, by the way. We partner with local organizations, local nonprofits that are already doing a great work and support what they're already doing. We go to them and we say, hey, this year, how can we help you do what you're already doing, but maybe even better? Last year and the years before, collectively, we have actually raised $25,000 and just given it all away, no strings attached to these projects to make a difference in people's lives. And so this year, we have gone through and we have vetted $10,000 worth of opportunities for us to be rich and to be generous Starting over here uh, with a local nonprofit here in the Iowa City area called IC Compassion. And uh, our hope this year is to raise money to help with job training, specifically for students and young adults who have disabilities. 
And so right now the plan is we're going to help buy some of the equipment to help these students with disabilities and young adults with disabilities to come and get job training in the food and beverage industry so that they can become independent and self-sustaining. And so we're gonna buy this equipment and then um, they have already established partnerships with uh, starting with City High School in Iowa City to have parents and teachers and volunteers help these students to come and to learn and to grow. And I think that's pretty incredible. We're going to um, do something we've never really done before, but I'm, I'm really excited about it. We're actually gonna help sometime next year. We don't know exactly what this is gonna precisely look like, but we're gonna help a new church get started. And the way that, the, the reason we're doing that is because um, we realize that if there are more churches who also are helping people to come to know Jesus or maybe come back to faith and a church for imperfect people where, you know, we don't, we're, not gonna, we're not gonna judge you and you're gonna be welcomed and loved no matter who you are and no matter where you've been and what's going on in your life. Um, and, and we have more of those churches and more of those churches who wanna be generous, we can do more generosity. So the more churches we have, the more generous overall we can be. And so we're gonna try to make an investment to pay dividends year and years and years into the future. We're gonna help um, with um, uh, our partner, GoServe Global, specifically in Haiti, um, here down uh, on my left, your right. Um, and GoServe Global is an organization that's quartered, uh, headquartered here in Iowa, in Eagle Grove, Iowa. And uh, we have begun supporting last year, um, an orphanage there called Bethel Orphanage. Um, Bethel uh, lost their U.S. support, um, not U.S. government, but they had a primary giver in the United States who no longer chose to uh, support them last year. Uh, I'm not sure why, if it was pandemic related or whatnot, but they lost all of their support. And so GoServe came in and said, well, we don't have a lot, but we're gonna do the best that we can. And we came in and we said, well, last year in Be Rich, we're gonna help out as much as we can. And so we helped with some projects to structurally improve the orphanage for them, i.e. putting windows in the windows because there was no glass or anything other than bars in their windows, uh, helped put in a floor and they actually just recently got a bathroom installed, which you think, isn't that kind of basic? No, it's not. It's actually pretty incredible for these 50 kids in Bethel Orphanage. And that's what we've helped do so far. And, um, and, and then um, as we've talked about here at Infuse, at least a few months ago, there was a major earthquake again in Haiti. And uh, uh, it was centered, the largest uh, city uh, was Lakai that it was centered outside of. And Lakai is where Bethel Orphanage and all of GoServe Global's orphanages are. And so this was a pretty uh, <clears throat> painful and difficult situation. And so over 60 days after the earthquake, um, GoServe Global, again, based here in Iowa, helped um, treat 5,250 patients in 60 days. And they ran uh, medevac transports into the hillside of Haiti. Um, this is a picture of them trying to get supplies and medical equipment um, into the rural areas. Lakai was hit uh, pretty badly, but the center was out in the rural area. And so they were trying to run medevacs and uh, medical teams out into the rural country. Uh, and that has been actually very difficult lately um, because, um, because of uh, fuel shortages, which I'll get to in just a second. Um, a lot of the schools in Lakai were broken down and so GoServe ex uh, brought in 300 more kids. So imagine you know, taking a school like the one we're in and then saying, oh, we're gonna add 300 more kids. 
That's what they did. And so they, they, they uh, did an incredible job um, making sure that these kids, despite this devastating earthquake, didn't lose, um, didn't lose any of their time in education. This was actually their first uh, day back in school after the earthquake, and the, the children chose to spend that first day in prayer. Um, prayer for their city, prayer for their countrymen, prayer for their families, and many of the uh, church members and uh, family members that were lost in, in the earthquake just a few months ago. Um, and since that earthquake, um, the number of people needing their services as far as their orphanages are concerned have only increased. This is uh, four boys that just uh, two weeks ago, Ken sent me, who's the director of um, of their Haiti operations. He lives up in Emmitsburg, Iowa, uh, sent me a picture. These four boys um, just showed up effectively on their doorstep. No parents around um, looking for um, a home. And so um, their leader there on the ground in Haiti texted him the picture and said, do you think we can take on four more orphans? Because that seems like, well, of course we should be able to, but it's not that easy. When you're already stretched to the limit, um, it's not that easy. And currently in Haiti, you may have heard of this, there's a lot of political unrest and a lot of gangs have taken over parts of the infrastructure there in Haiti, including the oil um, and gas line that comes into Haiti. And so there's a massive fuel shortage, which impacts everything. Because if you can't get food, you can't get water, fresh water and things to people, can't run generators to get electricity, everything just stops. And so they have in their orphanages scaled back considerably in the quality of food that they're feeding their kids, not because they want to, but because they have to out of necessity to make sure every kid gets food. And so they're stretching everything they can as far as they can to do everything they can. And so this year, usually we like to help out with projects. Like this year, we were hoping to do some solar panels and get electricity to Bethel. Um, but honestly, when I talked to Ken, and you'll hear from Ken here in, I think, three weeks, and Ken uh, just said, honestly, we just need money to buy fuel when it's available and to buy food when it's available. That's, that's what we need. And so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to write a check and help with food to make sure because as food prices go up, we need more money to just buy food. And that, that's just the simple uh, situation there in, in Haiti. I shouldn't say simple. It's very complicated, but it's, it's very real. Um, and so that, that's what we're going to do in Haiti. Um, and then we're also going to partner with Mission Aviation Fellowship. Um, that's the last one. Um, and uh, next week, really excited, Alex and Trish, who are, Trisha, who are um, natives of Iowa City, have chosen to live as missionaries over there. Uh, and they fly, Alex flies airplanes into remote parts of Indonesia, Papa Indonesia. And um, he does that for a number of reasons, which I will let him explain next week. And in fact, it's just going to be an incredible story, the challenges and situations that they've, they've gone through while there. Um, but one of the uh, places that they fly into, these remote villages, uh, has a school that the government built. And as you can see, um, well, the government didn't show back up to keep things up. Um, so anyways, and the blackboard is, I would say, a little small. Um, but we are going to help renovate the school to make it more friendly for education and for them to be able to um, learn and grow. Here's a picture of all the kids coming to the school. Um, it is just a line from the village out because kids want to learn. I mean, that's just simple uh, and not maybe so much in the United States sometimes, uh, but certainly in these countries, kids are hungry to learn and see the world outside and the possibilities ahead of them. And so we're going to make that possible. Alex is going to fly the team in and we're going to buy the materials to renovate that school. And then if we meet our goal or exceed our goal this year, we're actually gonna help purchase a truck 
Because right now they have no way, when they do a medevac transport, when they get um, medical patients from some of these remote villages and bring them into uh, the central city to, to go to the hospital, um, they have no way to get those patients to the hospital. Um, at, well, they do, they have a van right now, and so they put a stretcher on top of the seats of the van because the seats don't come out, and so then the patient just kind of gets slid into the van, and so they really want to buy a truck, and for about $2,000, you can buy a truck and equip it to haul patients to, because there's no ambulance service, haul patients to the hospital. Uh, and so I think that's probably the least that we can do. And so that, that's what we're gonna do. And Alex and, and Trisha will be here next week to talk about that. It's just gonna be incredible. So don't miss, um, don't miss next week. But anyways, um, the, the point being, um, we're gonna raise $10,000, like it says up here, and we're gonna give 100% of it away. All the overhead, the credit card fees, all that we're taking on. Um, that, so every dollar that you give, and these organizations, by the way, too, it's just going directly to the thing, okay? It's not going to administrative fees or anything like that. It's just going to these projects, which I think is really incredible. And so here's how this works. It's pretty simple, okay? If you're watching online or even in the room, you can go to your phone, your laptop, and you just go to this web address, infuse.church slash be rich. You can do it afterwards if you want to too. Infuse.church slash be rich, and you go to this website and there's information on there and bullet points and, and more things and a couple of different pictures and, and videos that you can see some of the work that's happening that you can watch. Um, but there are two buttons. There are two buttons and they're the, if you wanna give digitally, there's a button to pledge and there's a button to give. And you can give a one-time gift, you can give a reoccurring gift, or you can pledge. Because some people have come to me over the years and they've said, Taylor, I can do you know, $100 now, but if you give me some more time, I can do $300 or $400 or $500. And so we do a pledge through the end of January. So you can go and you can say, hey, I will commit over the next three months through the end of January, 2022, to give a set amount. And then you give that set amount. And we'll include that pledge in our total amount. We're just gonna write that check to these organizations and then um, right away as soon as we can. And then we'll we'll get, um, you know, your pledge will come in. So it's not like we're gonna wait till February to give, get food for those kids in Haiti. We're gonna do it as soon as we possibly um, can. <clears throat> Excuse me, as soon as we possibly can. And I realize a lot of you give all year round to Infuse Church. You give to the ministry. Maybe you give to other places to, to help make a difference in the world around you. And thank you for that. Um, but this specifically, Be Rich is extra. Not because we're a church that talks a lot about money and guilts you. You know, some people have told me I go to a new church and then all they talk about is give us your money, give us your money. You're not giving us your money. You're giving other people, okay? You're generous. You're being rich and serving other people. And this is an exercise in what we call generosity. And generosity involves sacrifice. Generosity involves saying no to Starbucks for a couple times this week or this month, or maybe for a few more months, some of you are giggling, I think. Um, it, it means saying no to going out to eat, maybe. It says no to some things so I can be generous and help others. And in fact, our kids, Infuse Kids, um, and parents, you're gonna get a card today. Uh, I forgot to bring the card up with me. You're gonna get a card today as you leave. And the card is gonna outline that our Infuse Kids are gonna help sponsor uh, a child in Haiti uh, this year, um, one specific child in Bethel Orphanage. And so their goal is to re reach $425, not necessarily for more money, but it's really an opportunity for you as parents to talk to your kids and learn about generosity. Talk to your kids about what it means to share. We started that process last night with Elia, our three-year-old, it went 
okay. You know, she got her piggy bank out. She put the money on the ground. And then I said, okay, we're going to share. And we showed her a picture of the, of the little girl that we were going to give, you know, she's going to give the money to. And she said, no, I need more before I can share. And I'm like, that's something that adults do too all the time. I can't give until I get more. I can't give until I get more. And I said, Elia, that's not what sharing is about. It's taking what we can have right now and being generous, which means we may have to go without a little bit in certain areas so that we can be generous and we can, and we can help. This is where following Jesus hits the road, okay? This is the rubber on the road. This is the verification of our faith, of following Jesus. And again, you don't even have to be a Jesus follower to do this, okay? You can just be generous to help people in need, okay? To just follow him, to be kind, to be generous. So I'd encourage you to think about this, to pray about it, pray to God. I think this is a, a very dangerous prayer to pray prayer to pray, but essentially just pray to God, you know, and say, hey, Lord, um, you know, should I give $50? Should I give $100? Should I give $200? Should I give $500? Should I give 1000 Just pray. And I think you'll know. And I think that amount, when you know it's the right amount, is going to be that amount that takes a little bit and then takes it a little bit farther and stretches you. Not because I'm trying to push you, but because I'm trying to help everybody to learn generosity. It's a little uncomfortable when you have to click that button and say, yep, send or submit or whatever the button says when you commit to giving. It, it should cause you a little discomfort, but I guarantee you 24 hours later, you're going to be looking back and probably you won't exactly remember that you gave that money more than likely, but you'll also feel really good about what it's going to and who it's helping, especially if you're here next week to hear about what's happening, um, what's happening there. Um, because it's people like you that, that care. You know, it's people like you that you know, these kids in, in orphanages in Haiti, you know, you'll never meet them and they'll never meet you. But they know, Ken will tell you this, the director of Haiti um, for Go Serve Global, he'll tell you, they know that you're there. They know that you care. And that informs their worldview. That informs their future. They'll tell him all the time, I wanna be a nurse. I wanna be a doctor because that's what my sponsor family does. And until they know that's even a possibility, until you even put that on their horizon, until you take care of the food in their bellies, that's not something they can think of. But when you take care of that, then they can dream a big, incredible dream. And I think in a lot of ways have so much more potential to change their country, change their environment, change the world around them, because somebody said, I will be generous. I will be generous. You never know. You never know the impact your decisions will have. So I really encourage you to go to that URL, infuse.church slash be rich, and ask yourself the question, you know, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to follow Jesus? We're gonna celebrate a baptism now. <clears throat> and the great thing about this particular baptism is it plays into this right here perfectly well. It plays into this right here perfectly well. About five and a half years ago, um, someone here at Infuse chose to get baptized. In fact, a couple of people did, which was really incredible. And this was actually gonna be our very first baptism service as a church. At that time, we were meeting in a coffee shop, and so we didn't have a baptistry. We didn't have the money for a baptistry, okay? And uh, we couldn't, you know, 
we just didn't have any options. And so another church in Iowa City uh, offered us to use their baptistry at night. And so we had a night baptism service. Um, and I didn't know how it was going to go. I was just really stoked for this, this opportunity to, to have people go public with their faith in, in Jesus. And I was really excited about it. And I told the people who were getting baptized to invite their friends and their families and to tell people about it so they could be there to support them. And so this particular individual did that. Um, they decided to follow Jesus. They decided to get baptized and they decided to tell their friends about it. And they invited uh, two people, Ian and Sonatina. And Ian and Sonatina, that was the first night I met them. And, um, and we talked and that kind of thing. And then at somewhere along the line, I can't remember the exact details, but they told their, their daughter, Simone, that she should come to Infuse Church. And I think that's really intimidating. Like it's one thing to walk into a school building, that's kind of weird and then go to church. But it's another thing to walk into a coffee shop where everybody sees everybody, nobody's hiding, okay? And you're, cause it's so close and intimate. You got kids screaming in the back cause that's where our kids department was. I mean, I wouldn't say a department. It was more like a table, okay? But anyways, and, um, and, and, and she came and she continued to come and she continued to grow and be challenged and uh, to consider her faith for explore faith, like we say as a church, uh, for years to come. Um, she uh, met her, her husband and uh, eventually, just a few um, weeks or months ago, um, decided to give her life back to Jesus. And all because somebody five years before decided to follow Jesus. Because you never know the impact your decision could have on other people. That's the power of, I think, following Jesus. And maybe that's not something you're familiar with, it, with, but I hope it's something that you seriously explore. Because one man in a province of the Roman Empire 2,000 years ago literally changed, not only the Roman Empire, but changed the world, has impacted billions and billions of lives. Billions of people have been reached. Hospitals have been started. Orphanages have been started. Campaigns of generosity, mission trips to help a hurting world. All because of this one man and the people who followed him and said yes to following him. I want you to think about this for a second. If I gave you that very same challenge to change the world like Jesus changed the world, could you do it? Could 2,000 years of, from now, billions of people follow you? I mean, I think you know, this is an exercise in humility, but I think you know that that would be really incredibly difficult, if not impossible. I don't think it was impossible for Jesus, though, because he was the Son of God, and he died, and he rose again. And that's what baptism is, is a symbol of us dying and rising again with Jesus, our symbol, our public statement of following Jesus, an outward symbol of an inward decision to follow Jesus. That's what be rich is. That's what baptism is. It's all about following Jesus. And I'm just telling you, I think those decisions could change the world. So I'm very curious to see five years from now, your decisions, your decisions online, to be generous today, the difference they make five years ago, or your decisions today to follow, trust, or recommit yourself to following Jesus and the impact that that could have. 
So we're gonna have a baptism now. You're gonna hear Simone's story. We're gonna invite uh, our, the littlest among us, our kids, infused kids, in to watch um, because Simone um, spends some of her time down in the kids' area, and so they know Simone, and she knows them, and so that they can be a part of that as well. And so parents, after service, you're not gonna pick your kids up down there unless they're in nursery. You're gonna pick them up here because they're gonna be in the room with us, okay? And so what we're gonna do now is we're gonna show a, a brief introduction of what baptism is. I kind of outlined it, but this will reaffirm that. We're gonna watch Simone's video, and then Simone is gonna get baptized. And when Simone goes under the water and comes back up, that's generally a point at which we celebrate and we cheer. And so feel free, you know, ideally stay in proximity to your seat in excitement. But if you want to get up, you want to clap, you want to hooray, I would really encourage you to do that because it is something we're celebrating. And then we're gonna go right into a song. And so as you do that, if you would just stand and let's sing that song after Simone's baptism together, all right? So I will turn it over to the video screens and we'll get going. Hello, my name is Simone Stecker, and for as long as I can remember, I remember going to church every Sunday. I remember developing a faith at a really young age and accepting Jesus into my life at just four years old with the support of my kid's pastor, Pastor Arnold. I remember praying almost daily for a pet dog. As I got older, however, I seemed to lose that childlike faith I once had. As I tried to keep up with the fast pace of adulthood, I just found myself distancing more and more from God. It was also in early college, I really struggled with my mental health and started to develop depression and an eating disorder. And so in so many ways in my life, I just felt like I was coming up short. And so whenever I thought about trying to revive my faith, I thought that pursuing God would just be a reminder of all the ways I was coming up short. However, since going to church was really important to my parents, uh, they encouraged me to find a new church home for myself. And my mom suggested this church that at the time was meeting in a coffee shop called Infuse. So I decided to try it out. And I found myself coming back week to week and developing real connections and friendships. And it's actually where I would eventually meet my husband, Simon. During my time at Infuse, I struggled to find my own faith path. And I really tried to just copy and paste someone else's faith journey onto my own. I remember also been trying to follow Simon's footsteps, hoping it would just lead me to Jesus. 
However, nothing seemed to click for me like it did with everyone else. And following someone else's blueprint really didn't lead me to God and didn't lead me to developing a really true and strong faith. So that's when I started to realize that maybe that's not what God wants for us. Maybe He wants us to have our own faith journey utilizing the gifts that He has uniquely given each of us. So that's when I turned to my biggest and probably unexpected inspirations in my life. My dog, Fern, and my three-year-old niece, Elia. Simon and I adopted our dog, Fern, when she was just a few weeks old, and she has been such a gift in our lives. We adopted her at the end of 2020, and she has just brought us so much joy. She loves without limits, and she just takes in the world so deeply. She does this thing whenever I'm outside with her on a walk and she sees something she hasn't seen before. Whether it's something as simple as someone jogging past or a deer, she has to sit down wherever she is, stop, and just take in whatever she's looking at. It's almost like she's stopping the world just to be in awe of whatever she's seeing. And I love it. It makes me wanna do the same. Another amazing gift in my life was when I became an aunt through marrying Simon. I have so much love for my three nieces and find myself constantly amazed, especially by my three-year-old niece, Elia. She has an inherent appreciation for the world around her and extracts joy from every moment she can. She also just has so much love to give and I've never felt like I had to do anything to earn her love other than just love her back. It is through observing Fern and Elia that I genuinely believe I got a glimpse of God's amazing love and what he wants for me and they helped me to rediscover this childlike faith that I once had. I realized I had overcomplicated God's love when it really was just as simple as when I first accepted Him when I was four years old. Jesus died for me and my sins and loves me unconditionally. And with this simplicity, there is a joy and an awe that is gained. The same kind of awe that I see with Fern and the same kind of joy that exudes out of Elia. It was only after this realization that I started to develop a faith that truly felt like my own. A faith that believed in Jesus' love and accepted it and also just wanted to share it with the world. God works in amazing and unexpected ways. I never thought that a three-year-old and a dog would be the ones that would give me the push I needed to walk with Jesus, but they were. And now they're part of a faith journey that is uniquely my own. And now they inspire me every day to also love without limits, just like Jesus always has. My name is Simone and I've decided to follow Jesus.